This is The Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to The Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, coming to you from the beautiful and free, the great state of Texas. After seeing the recall vote in California, I say let the dead bury the dead. And um, for you freedom-loving Americans, you know where to come. Come to Texas, all right? But we're going to be vetting you. We're going to be vetting you at the border. We need to see your, um, how you register as voters. And it was, I, I got to tell you, after seeing that recall vote, I'm so glad I, I've moved to Texas. I just think a lot of these folks in the blue states, they long to be serfs. They, long, they should just start, they should rename their party the Surf Party. And they should openly just advocate We want to work the land of a great Lord. We just want a little hut with a big screen TV and Uber Eats allowance um, and an iPhone with Tinder. And we will never leave our hut, the surf party. I think that would be honest. But today I am interviewing the great John Zmirak on some questions that he he would like to ask George W. Bush. George W. Bush, and I kind of step on this interview. I should just let John talk because when John gets going, boy, he gets going. You're going to have to to listen to me ramble a little bit and trip John, and then we get to John and his great questions for W. But before we do that, uh, I just want to give you a quick update on our work in Afghanistan. As you know, the Jason Jones Show is sponsored by the Vulnerable People Project. That is a program of Hero, Inc. The two programs are the Vulnerable People Project and Movie to Movement. For the past month or so, we have been working uh, in Afghanistan on evacuations. This was not a project that we sought out, but because of our work in Africa and in other places in the Middle East, helping people evacuate in, and during crises, we were inundated with requests uh, from Afghanistan. We mobilized a team and, and we have been working night and day ever since. We actually just, uh, we, are, we are working with people in Afghanistan and around the world. We hired a DC staff of some of the best and the brightest that are helping us to be most as, as useful as possible to serve the families in Afghanistan that we are working to evacuate. And uh, we're not banging drums and telling folks how many people we got out this week or where they are, but we will tell the story. But when the story is done, we still have a lot of folks we are working to get out. I'm going to do a show soon responding to uh, Blinken and the hearings on Afghanistan that just took place in the Senate, which was a great disgrace. I was um, interviewed by EWTN News Nightly on that, and I will put that interview on the show notes if you are so eager to hear my thoughts on on that uh, hearing right now. You can just go in the show notes and listen to that. Stay, uh, but keep uh, go to the Vulnerable People Project and just sign up to be in our newsletter or make a donation of any size. And when you do that, you will be a part of our list, and we will keep you up to date with all of the work that we do to serve the most vulnerable. And uh, sadly, all of our energy this month has been focused in Afghanistan, but there are so many groups that we're working with, people working with, like in Nigeria. And and it, 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 it pains me that uh, our team can't give full attention to all of the problems that are, that are erupting around the world that are inflicting, that, that vulnerable communities are suffering. In fact, today we received a call 
uh, from another country that's imploding and a vulnerable minority group that is suffering genocide. We're going to be writing more about that soon. And, of course, we're going to gear up for our boycott, the Beijing Olympics. Uh, and the Beijing Olympics need to be moved to a country that is not at present engaged, engaged in a, uh, a genocide, in an ethnic cleansing, as China, the CCP, is waging a war of ethnic cleansing against the Uyghur and Chinese occupied East Turkestan. But I wanted today to be a bit of a break from all of the work that I've been doing at the Vulnerable People Project just to talk to John Zmerich on something kind of humorous. Uh, John's questions for George W. Bush. And he's got some good questions. Uh, for example, now, nah, let's just get to it. I've stepped on this interview too much already, all right? Um, oh, and this episode is being brought to you by My Pillow. If your house is not already filled with MyPillow products, like every bed doesn't have Giza Dream sheets and every bed doesn't have MyPillow, especially the guest room, you start with the guest room. You have to have the MyPillows and the mattress topper and the Giza Dream sheets in the guest room. And then from there, then you give it to your children. And then last, you know, you get them. You get them. But you got to fill your house right now with MyPillow products. You can do that by going to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square Use the code Jones, and when you use the code Jones, cha-ching, we make money. All right? That's how it works. You get a great pillow, you use the code Jones, and this this, uh, program makes money. All right? Here we go. The great John Smirak with some questions for George W. Bush on The Jason Jones Show. Aloha, John Smirak. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Thank you, Jason. This is the one place where I feel I can speak candidly. Is that, is that because my audience is much smaller than Eric Metaxas, or I just make you feel comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's that medicine you tell me to take before every show. It, it makes me feel relaxed, and my inhibitions, they it's, go away. It's, uh, where the, did the, you get that stuff? The mescaline cucumbers, they come from the Amazon. They're... <laughs> Oh, okay, good, yeah, good. <laughs> I uh, feed them to everyone that works for me and my family. It just makes my life a lot easier. Yeah, this enhanced interrogation thing is more fun than it sounds. Right, well, hey, this is going to be fun. This is, you know, I'm going to call this, an, a, a, this is a break from just the daily grind that has been Afghanistan for me. I just read your article, W, we hardly knew you, and I thought this is in my quest to cancel myself and sever myself from any possible place to moor my sh- my boat, my little boat. You know, I want to make sure there's not a dock left in the world that I can uh, sail up to. I thought I'd have you on to discuss your questions for George W. Bush. It's not as we've done enough to alienate Catholics. Yeah, let's alienate our fellow Republicans. Um, but I'm in agreement with everything you wrote in this article, and I think everyone pretty much today will have to agree with you as well. Well, thanks. All right. So this piece over at stream.org, uh, our audience at stream.org tend to be conservative evangelicals, and we're based in Texas, um, which brings you know brings to mind the darkest scandal in the evangelical world in the past 30 years, which is to say George W. Bush and the fact that good people Good, good ministers, good voters, uh, sane people, people who are safe drivers and good parents and responsible employees and, you know, people you would trust with your children 
voted enthusiastically, some of them, for George W. Bush for president of the United States, not head of the school board, not land commissioner of Texas, president of the United States, George W. Bush. As we step back from that, do we not is, do we not have the worst coyote sunrise in the history of the world where we would rather chew off our arm rather than wake up this creature we brought home with us? How drunk were we? What were we thinking? This is the guy, remember, who once talked about the need to deregulate gynecology so that doctors could practice their love on the women of America. What human brain comes up with things like that? We, we, we wrote that off. We thought, well, maybe he wasn't too good in school. Maybe he, he's not good on the book learning, you know, but he's got a pure heart like, like Forrest Gump. Go, Forrest, go. But in fact, George W. Bush has a dark and foul, Machiavellian, corrosive, corrupt, maggot-ridden heart. And he looks through jaundiced lenses at the rest of us and thinks we are Forrest Gump. We're running to get some shrimp, and he's laughing at us. How did we find that out? Well, I mean, I suspected it all along. I didn't vote for him. I voted for Pat Buchanan. I and all those Jewish people in Florida voted for Pat Buchanan, but we, there were not enough of us. Uh, <laughs> and, and not by, enough Jews for Buchanan. By the way, we can get to that. I worked for Buchanan in 2000, so there's that. But uh, Yeah. So, by yeah, the way, John, well, if you could, yeah. what, what inspired you to um, – what inspired you – sorry, I'm playing with my, my levels right there. I mean, I know what inspired you, but I want the audience to know what inspired – I mean, out of the blue, right? People are blaming Trump for Afghanistan, and I, I obviously there's a lot of blame to go around for the catastrophe that has been at Afghanistan, but the um, – once in a millennia military disaster that has been Afghanistan that we have just witnessed all falls on Biden's shoulders. But what, what for the audience who may have missed it, why all of a sudden did John Zmirak say, you know, I'm going to alienate some of my core supporters and readers <laughs> by, uh, well. and what I love about you, John, is you, you just, you don't count the cost ever of, uh, you might've counted the cost on this, but when you say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm living in Texas now. I have a lot of friends <laughs> But, you know, this has to be said. What inspired you to write this great article at the stream that just came out today? Well, I felt like it was an intervention to help to help a few of my friends who, who may, maybe still have not fully assimilated the truth about this. Okay. Over the weekend of September 11th, at an event commemorating the fallen, specifically at a service for the people on Flight 93 who overwhelmed the Muslim terrorists whom George Bush's immigration service had led into the country, whom George Bush's FBI and CIA had not investigated, uh, who were permitted to hijack planes, even though for months Bush had been getting memos about al-Qaeda plans to hijack planes and fly them into buildings, and he'd been sort of you know, blowing them off and going to clear rush on his ranch. Uh, at a service to commemorate those ordinary Americans who rushed the cockpit and stopped that plane from destroying the U.S. Capitol, he, 
George W. Bush had the unmitigated gall, the elitist hubris, to get up there and compare the hijackers of 9-11 to the protesters from January 6th. Jason, you were there. Were those a bunch of jihadists wanting to blow up the U.S. Capitol, willing to kill themselves? You know... You know me that I was kind of skeptical of the whole MAGA movement um, and, and, and President Trump from the very beginning. I mean, I, I was devastated when Trump won the nomination in 2016. When I fully comprehended what the MAGA movement was, was on that, at that January 6th event, I was there to speak on foreign policy, on, on, on what Trump had done to liberate uh, the women, Yazidi women from the sl- sex slavery in Syria and, and Iraq, his destroying ISIS, his, his, uh, the moves to defend the Uyghur. That's what I was there to speak. And what I saw were, first of all, a sea of veterans, a sea of caps, you know, old veterans. I know I'm getting older now that I finally bought one of those old hats that veterans wear with their unit on it. I saw a sea of those, saw protesters uh, from Hong Kong joining us. I saw a sea of flags, of Uyghur flags. I saw um, the flags of uh, Chinese-occupied East Turkestan. What you can see in so many of the photos were just dozens of flags, of the flags from South Vietnam. And it was just the most, it was really, and I'm a conservative, I hate using these expressions, but I mean, this matters, I guess, today. So the the external diversity, you know, um, it was the most diverse, political rally I had ever been at my life. In fact, I spoke on January 5th at an event before the event, and it was like too diverse for my own comfort. There was a lot of quote unquote trans, there was trans speakers and a lot of, you know, people, I don't know how to say, you know, the LGBTQ community for Trump. And I'm speaking on the stage and, um, and I thought, man, this is a little too much diversity for my comfort. You know, (laughs) this mega group is really unique and it it's was, America. It's America. It's it was America. as diverse. That's it, John. It was as diverse as America. And it was all these people who, who felt left behind by all this wonderful progress, whether it was the 80-year-old um, immigrant from Vietnam who fought side by side with us and that catastrophe. Uh, they were there with their flags. It was the people of Chinese-occupied East Turkestan. Or the, and it was just regular folks of Americans from every background and I walked around that event, probably the only thing that stopped me from going into the Capitol, because it just looked like you were allowed to go in, was, uh, A, I was just taking pictures. I, I was there. I was supposed to be giving a speech on the Supreme Court side, and I was just, just captivated by all of the folks, and I was taking all these pictures of the Chinese drums, you know, and just all of this beauty and diversity. Um, and so by the time I got around to the Capitol... I thought I was late for my speech and I was looking for the stage and I really had to go to the bathroom. So um, that, yes. So to Your compare, bladder saved you. My bladder You are not me. in the January 6th gulag. No. Getting re-educated in solitary confinement 23 hours a day, held without, without bail, held without necessarily knowing the charges against you, in a secret prison without access to the media, Indefinitely, and you, so I call it the DC Gulag. You you didn't make it there because well, you you had to take a pee. Well, Thanks and, be to God. And I was almost doomed because of you. See, because this is what happened. 
I, I was looking at all that was going on. And then when I heard that a woman had been shot and I heard the chaos was erupting, I had already left. Uh, and, but then I thought I should probably go and cover this for the stream. And I should write about this for the stream. <laughs> yeah. and, and I thought John is probably going to be a little dis and I, and I was so tired. It was so chaotic. And I thought, you know, I'm just, eh, I'm here to speak on the Uyghur. Um, and I, yeah. as, as I walked back to my hotel, I thought John is going to be very disappointed in me. And he's, and he's going to say, Hey, did you get in there? Did you interview people? What did you see? Did you take pictures? And I'm going to, and I'm going to have to tell John, ah, you know, I really, uh, wanted, uh, Tomka guy soup at this Thai restaurant. And I just really had to pee really. And I was tired and I just, I didn't have the yeah. stomach for it. Um, in retrospect, well, I would uh, yeah, I would love to. I would love to joke that the helmeted guy was the stream correspondent, but he was not. He was not. <laughs> no. um, I watched all that happening live, and I have to tell you, I was laughing my ass off. That was the funniest moment in my life in American history. People, people are trying to make it sound like <clears throat> the bombing of Nagasaki. It was a bunch of Americans milling around in a public building. Uh, it was not as nasty or as violent as the 32-day, I believe, occupation of the Wisconsin state capitol by, by leftists and teachers' unions. Um, they just lived there for a month. And the media presented this as, as heroic. Anything the left does, whatever it does, will be portrayed as in the legacy of the civil rights movement. And anything the right does, even if it's a little old lady giving a candy bar to a black kid at the March for Life. Anything the right does will be portrayed as an activity of the Nazi party. And, and that just shows you what a toxic, disgusting media and social media environment we now live in. Every day, if I, I, I go look at what the MSM you know, burps up. And the headlines read like the old headlines from the Soviet press in the 1970s or the East German or the Polish communist press. I mean, they'll say, you know, Donald Trump lies again. And I realize this is CNN reporting supposedly the news. Uh, the headlines are just dripping with venom. They read like they're coming out of North Korea. Um, well, and that's well, John, how our yeah. – Yeah, well, I was there, so I'm glad that came across on camera because, you know – with some of those close-ups, it looked scary, right? There was there were some moments and there were some places of of ins insane behavior at the January sixth event. I all you know, and then what I saw with my own eyes, I saw one active insane. I saw some guy with an army hat on. He was overweight, and I think it turned out that this was actually one of the Antifa provocateurs. And I witnessed yeah. him kind of banging up against the railing and shaking it, and the police were looking at him. And at the time, I remember thinking, because I didn't get to go to the gym that day and do jujitsu or Muay Thai, I remember thinking I should just come up behind him, put him in a rear naked choke, uh, pull him into, you know, uh, the guard and mount him and then just uh, hold him there for the police. And then I thought, I got to give a speech. I got to find where the stage is. But the thought did go through my mind. This would be an opportunity for me to do jujitsu today while I'm actually participating in an event. But I let the guy go. If you go. did that, you'd be in jail now. You'd be in jail right now. You would be one of the violent insurrectionists who try to overthrow the U.S. government. We now know that virtually all the violence, what little violence there was that wasn't just police shooting protesters like Ashley Babbitt, God rest her soul, 
Um, what violence there was, it was virtually all FBI agents or FBI provocateurs, people the FBI had recruited to wow. infiltrate the march. Just like it, there is a numerical majority now of the people in, in, implicated in the plot to kidnap uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, fit more than 51% are now exposed as FBI agents. That's unbelievable. So we know... This yeah, is, so our, deep, so our this, deep state is out there trying to trap us. And I just got an email from a Catholic priest saying, don't go to the September 18th rally in Washington on behalf of the political prisoners from January 6th because the FBI is infil has infiltrated that thoroughly and there will be violence provoked by FBI provocateurs in order to blacken the name of the innocent prisoners from January 6th. And, and they, th this priest thinks that George Bush's comments equating Americans protesting their votes being stolen with the September 11th hijackers who murdered more than 3,000 Americans and tried to murder 30,000. If it weren't for the first responders getting all those Americans out of the World Trade Center, this would be a 30,000 person casualty event. Well, and that gets to the point of, of your article, why even though W decided to, you know, come out of whatever hole he's been hiding in to smear people who voted for him, door knocked for him, put signs out for him. In 2004, I worked for him. I worked for the RNC. In 2005, I worked for Pat Buchanan. By the way, specifically, if you remember the 2000 campaign, it was all about regime change wars and nation building, and we shouldn't be into that business. And because of the Buchanan campaign, especially because of Wisconsin and some states we were causing trouble, uh, the Bush campaign came out, you know, and and Bush was all against, well, I'm not for nation building. I'm not for regime change wars. That's right. That's right. So that, let's go to some of the questions that I Okay, yeah, let's do these start. questions. So guys, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I did this, I'm going to do the re intro after this. But again, this is John's questions for W. And I'm sure W listens to On this podcast. I know friends of W listens to this podcast, our mutual friends. So okay, share well, this with him. I'm asking on behalf of those evangelical Christians who, you know, the state fair crowd, ordinary, hardworking Americans who voted for George W. Bush. So we have some questions. First, when you promised a modest foreign policy on the campaign trail in 2000, were you just straight up lying or were you just reciting and pronouncing words on a piece of paper where you didn't even pay attention to what was written? Uh, was it, you know, kind of the way you studied for your gentleman's C at Yale? When you shrugged at all those intelligence reports in 2001, warning Al-Qaeda is going to fly airliners into buildings, and then it happened. It actually happened. For once, your screw-ups had a consequence that daddy couldn't fix. Unlike all those jobs you lost, you almost ruined the Texas Rangers, you weren't a very good governor of Texas, but always, 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 daddy's people could clean up the mess, and you could come out smelling like a rose. This time, daddy couldn't fix it. Did you feel guilty? Did you feel responsible for those dead Americans, for that chaos, for that destruction? Did you feel responsible? Did you feel ashamed? Or did you just go back to reading My Pet Goat, confident that Dick Cheney would take care of it? When you made it your first priority after 9-11, 
to get every member of the bin Laden family safely on a private jet out of the United States. And then you covered up the complicity of members of the Saudi royal family and government, their complicity in the attacks. And then you solemnly assured Americans, you found some friendly imams and you gave a speech the next day saying that jihad had nothing to do with Islam, which was a global religion of peace. Were you being loyal to Americans or to your friends in the oil industry? Or are the only Americans you know and even associate with members of the oil industry and maybe the Bush royal family? How about this? When you decided to let bin Laden get away from Tora Bora, and then you lost interest in Afghanistan, and instead told our military to focus on invading Iraq, what was going through your mind? Were you thinking about the actual evidence that was being presented to you? Or were you just thinking back to your old days at Yale, where you would drink gin and tonics, and, and this, is, this is a recollection. His classmates have said that he used to obsessively play the game Risk in the dorm rooms. Risk, that's that game for like 12-year-old boys where you conquer the world. And we all know the key to winning Risk is to control the Middle East. Was, was this your chance to play Risk with real live American soldiers at your command? And, and having seen everything that happened, the trillions of dollars and thousands of lives we spent in Afghanistan, are you proud of your accomplishment? Is this the legacy you want to carry through history? You knew all about the official Saudi ties to Al-Qaeda. You knew that Saddam Hussein had absolutely none. You knew that it was your father, by stationing troops in Saudi Arabia to protect them against Iraq, that that was the reason bin Laden was attacking America. You knew Hussein was a secular dictator who for political reasons, basically protected the Christian minority. He presided over a brittle, patched together country with populations deeply divided by potential ethnic hatred. You knew there were millions of vulnerable Christians there. And by the way, you did absolutely nothing to protect them when it was your job as commander in chief and you had invaded the country, did nothing for them. You knew that Saddam Hussein at best, was trying to buy a little bit of mustard gas on the black market to use against the Iranians. You know, the same mustard gas Donald Rumsfeld had sold him before when the U.S. backed him in a war against Iran. You knew maybe Hussein was trying to get some mustard gas to use against Iran. Yet you let people like Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice and Dick Cheney run around the media saying the next smoking gun could be a mushroom cloud. And you frightened Americans into thinking 9-11 would happen again and again and again unless we invaded, occupied, and transformed Iraq by bombing it till it turned into New Hampshire. You knew all that. You, you told us we had a fight and torture and bomb and impoverish Iraqis over there so that we wouldn't have to fight them over here. Did you believe any of that? When you sent th thousands of Americans into hellholes like Abu Ghraib, did you ever think about those actual Americans, those actual human beings you were sending into the jaws of death? You know, the members, guys who joined the Arkansas National Guard, who are now guarding an oil dump against Al-Qaeda. These National Guardsmen didn't sit out the Iraq War the way you sat out Vietnam, 
keeping Texas safe from the Viet Cong as part of the Texas Air National Guard. When you gave your second inaugural speech, perhaps the most insane speech in American political history, you told us all that the human race has a fire in the mind that drives everyone in the world to want American-style democracy. You said this even as the population of Afghanistan, the population of Iraq, were fighting tooth and nail to get us out. Did you even process those words, or were they just more syllables you had to repeat to get the speech over with so you could go home and, and, cut, brand, and cut brush on your ranch? Or maybe it made you feel like a statesman. Did it make you feel like a man, W? Did it raise your testosterone count? Did, it, did you feel macho when you cracked jokes to reporters years later about how, well, we look for WMDs. We're looking for them. We're looking for them. Guess we're not finding any. <laughs> Is that you trying to be edgy, making thousands of dead Americans and tens of thousands of dead Iraqis the butt of a joke? And now, now you're telling us we have to have virtually open borders. We have to have lots more immigrants into America to replace the, the Americans who are not having kids because they can't find jobs because people like you outsource them to third world countries. You back mass immigration. And the argument you give, I love this, you're doing children's books about this, you, about your happy memories of the Mexican servants who raised you because your mom was too busy. No, he didn't. he's not writing books about that. Dude, rich white kids are ruining the world. Don't tell me he's really writing books about being raised by his uh, yes. Mexican he said he, his stance on immigration is was first formed by how how happy and friendly and I guess docile and obedient the Mexican servants were who worked for the Bush family and who who, who were his nanny. Bush learned a very There's good so lesson much- as a young boy. He learned that we can exploit vulnerable migrant labor to do the jobs that we don't want to do. Like his mommy didn't want to change his diaper or teach him how to read or take him to the park. So that kind of nasty work, uh, she, you know, outsourced to some vulnerable migrant. I bet you just knowing the Bush family was probably not, uh, they were paying her under the table. How much you want to bet that? We should find that out. Oh yeah. And there were, she was probably not there here legally. So she lived in fear. And that is, that is the model that aristocrats like George W. Bush and every member of his family, George P. Bush now, is running, running a lackluster campaign to be attorney general of Texas. Um, that They want Americans to be beaten down, frightened campesinos, not the kind of people who march when their votes get stolen, not the kind of people who have ordered liberty and private property and own homes and push back. No, they want serfs. And the contempt which Bush is showing is actually hatred, hatred and contempt for the Americans who protested on January 6th, some of whom are still in a political gulag. And he compares them to those mass murdering jihadist psychopaths who attacked my hometown on his watch. 9-11 happened on W's watch because of his carelessness. The Iraq war happened on his watch because of his cynicism. The Afghanistan war failed because our the elites of America, the Bushes, the Bidens, the Clintons, are degenerate, corrupt, 
venal hacks. And just the way, just the way Hunter Biden could become a puppet of China, George W. Bush could treat American soldiers like puppets of the oil industry. He's comparing the little old ladies who took selfies at the Capitol with Mohammed Atta, with the Saudi terrorists whom he, through his negligence, permitted to slaughter our country. So I have one last question for George W. Bush. And you know me, Jason. If I ever had a chance to say this to his face, you know I would not have any trouble saying it. No, of course. Mr. Bush, Mr. Bush, what did Americans ever do to you to deserve you, to yeah. deserve you as their president. Why don't you go ruin some other country that didn't help hand you a pile of cash and, and a silver spoon and a Tiffany's rattle on your birth and anoint you as political royalty? God help us. God help us all. You know, and here is the problem with W. And Hunter, they're not. There's only there's there's a but a dimes bit of difference between W and Hunter, and no none. Uh, I'd say there's a dimes bit of difference. Like W could hold down a job, you know, he could put the crack pipe down. I think we know he used cocaine, right? I think that's public record, right? right. Uh, I think he could step away from the cocaine long enough to run for governor and serve. You know, you know what I mean. Uh, but maybe it would have been better for all of us. If he could have yeah, just uh, yeah. <laughs> gone full hunter, ended up like hunter. Yeah, but this is yeah. this is the problem. We don't have there. We don't have anyone left in this country that sees themselves as stewards. Everyone right. sees this country. It seems like the elite just look at this country as um, a, a, a village to be plundered. Just like yeah. they're, they're yeah, Vikings jumping off of a yeah. a long boat. And it's just we're some French village that they're plundering. There's no one left. Yeah. You know, and this is where I guess where the MAGA crowd saw in Trump something uh, that I didn't see, which was, believe it or not, Trump comes from the same sort of place that, that they do, right? I mean, he was born into privilege. Well, no, but his, his, dad, his dad was a landlord, you know, who had to shake down impoverished tenants to get paid. And, and Trump grew up working with construction workers and overseeing them putting together buildings. Um, George W. Bush was never near an oil rig. He didn't work offshore. He didn't oversee the actual blue-collar workers. All, all he did was, like, clip coupons and, and drink gin and tonics. So I'd say Trump, we're one generation ahead, okay? The Bushes had already made their money and – all, all W had to do was spend it, whereas Trump had to be involved in the making of the money. So maybe Trump's kids could turn out. Look at Jared, okay? Jared is of the generation uh, uh, and of the moral character of, of, Je of Jeb Bush and Hunter Biden. But I, I don't know. I don't think Barron or, or Don Jr. or Eric Trump turn, will turn out like bushes i but god help well, us like, if they do like the hunt family you know i think the father and you mentioned the hunt family in your article um yeah yeah the, my girlfriend went to high school with the hunt family with the boys from the hunt family at the time when their dad was the richest man on the face of the earth and ever they drove the worst car at highland park high school and every summer they would be working on rooftops in 110 degree texas sun alongside mexican immigrants why 
because their dad wanted to build character. He didn't want them to go squander everything he had built. At the same time, the Bush family, of course, were playing badminton under, under the trees up at, up in Kennebunkport, Maine. Cultivating an accent to, to you know, woo voters with. I want to I want to bring for people, and I know there are Republicans listening to this that think those questions in your tone were over the top, but I just want to bring it home. That something that was just released in the media on a Saturday evening, I think like at two in the morning, we're told by the FBI it was released, and I'll give Biden credit what why he ordered this to be released. I do not know um, that the FBI has known now since 9-11 the role that a Saudi intelligence officer inside the Saudi consulate and embassy played in providing aid and support to some of the hijackers that flew American planes into American buildings, killing American citizens. Now, to me, that is a bigger news story than George H.W. Bush was the guy behind the grassy knoll or or with Ted Cruz's dad, right? (laughs) Right. I think if if those two stories came out, I'd say, ah, that's old news. But this... (laughs) has seemed to just fall into a silence. Like, Americans, we were, this this is, Bush and his entire administration looked us in the face and said that, you know, Saddam Hussein was behind this in some way and he's going after chemical weapons and he has chemical weapons. And it turns out the only chemical weapons he had, Donald Rumsfeld had the invoice and the receipt for, um, that this is not the biggest news story in the world that while we were framing up Iraq where Christians were protected, they could go to mass, they could pray the rosary, they could receive communion. Um, they were protected by this Baathist thug. In Saudi Arabia, of course, if you prayed the rosary, you're going to be whipped to death. And um, as you put it so perfectly, our troops were in Saudi Arabia to protect Saudi Arabia from Saddam. Al-Qaeda declared war on us. Literally, they declared jihad, war on us, because we had military bases in Saudi Arabia because, so we said, we were there to protect the Saudis from Saddam Hussein. But then we find out that the Saudis, Saudi intelligence officers in a Saudi consulate and through the Saudi embassy provided money and aid and comfort to terrorists that flew planes into our buildings, that led to us going to war with Saudi Arabia's mortal enemy, Saddam Hussein. And this now we know is all, not conspiracy theory, fact. We were played. We were played like fools, and George W. Bush knew all of it and played his part. America was duped by its own corrupt elites. If, if there, there, there was a movie, The Constant Gardener, which portrayed the, the creation of the CIA and the FBI. And it was, those things were created by the WASP elites who took a certain ownership over America. Um, you know, they said, yeah, you Italians have the family and the church. We have the United States of America. Well, guess what? The elites don't feel that way anymore. They, they do. They see America as like a village that they are Vikings and they can pillage it all they want. And what the one thing they don't like is if those Anglo-Saxon villagers start to push back against the Viking war bands when they decide to rape someone or rob a church or pillage a place. We are occupied by a hostile oligarchy 
that sees us as like, I don't know, maybe a captured herd of veal calves. And they hold us, and they occasionally get kill the ones they want. They roast us and eat us. But we are herd animals being commanded by our superiors. George W. Bush thinks he's a higher species than any of the people who actually voted for him. He supported Joe Biden's election to the White House. He openly said he would not vote for Donald Trump, the Republican nominee. Why? Because Trump had made fun of his of, of him and made fun of his dad and had, more importantly, taken the Republican Party away from him and his oligarchy of spoiled, entitled, dilettante heirs. Just so disgusting. I, you know, going back to another movie, The Good Shepherd, where Matt Damon's character, yeah. uh, Matt Damon's character says, uh, yeah, to the mob Maybe boss. Maybe that's what it, I got yeah. it wrong. I, yeah. got it wrong. I, I, I love that film, and it stars from Bella. Tammy Blanchard, plays, who is Nina, and Bella plays this wasp CIA guy's um, college girlfriend and kind of how he gives away a simple, beautiful life. To really, I pity, I honestly p- pity... Um, the children of the wasp establishment that still is trying to mine man the shop, you know, as, as, as despicable as they are and as, and as horrible a job as, as they are doing, um, they at least are, are, are trying to, to, to mine the shop, right? Like they're there and where the rest of their, their peers are, God knows what they're doing. They're in Vegas with, with Hunter Biden, uh, full time, but no, there's a great scene where he says to the mob boss, you know, we have this country. The mob boss says, you know, we Italians have music. The Jews have their tradition. The blacks have uh, music. Uh, what do you people have? And the WASP CIA guy says, we have this country you're just visiting. That's the problem. They realize we're just not here to visit. We're like here. It's our country. And when they compare us to the Taliban, I think what they mean is, I shouldn't say this out loud, but I think what they mean is that we will outlast them that we yeah. have real roots grounded in authentic traditions, culture, and religion, and that they will be swept away just like they were swept away in Afghanistan, and here yep. we will be. They will That's have right. one child, and their one child will become trans, uh, whatever, and have no ch- children, and their Unitarian churches or their, all of these denominations that are, in effect, all Unitarians will be just swept away in a generation, and there will be fundamentalist Christians, devout Catholics, and Orthodox still here trudging along. They made the watches, but we got the time, and I think that is what they see. They know their days are numbered, that they are the last gasp of a decaying elite, and that they are going to be swept away, and Donald Trump they realized was the garbage man that played the role of kind of That's right. sweeping up around the dumpster and, and pulling the dump truck up to the dumpster <laughs> and hauling them off. And, and that's why the, throwing the bushes, throwing the bushes onto the ash heap of history, throwing the bushes. Yeah, exactly. A- Amen. All right. So I want to bring up something about Bush, you know, is he stupid? Was he just reading from a script? You know, when I really doubted Bush, and I worked in 04 for the Republican National Committee, and um, for me it was about Roe v. Wade, and that election seemed so important. And uh, even though I disagreed with Bush on a lot, 
once we invaded Iraq and Afghanistan, um, I, I wanted to stay in Iraq. I felt that to leave now would be a catastrophe, um, though inevitable. And when we left, it would be catastrophic. Um, just like I was against nation building in Afghanistan, I supported, I opposed the invasion of Iraq. I supported going after the Taliban and Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. Of course, I wasn't for the nation building that followed like under Bush bringing Planned Parenthood was the first nonprofit into Afghanistan. Something else Bush wow. did um, that I was the probably the sole pro-life leader in America fighting Bush on this was a lot of people don't remember. It was the Bush administration that made the morning after pill available over the counter, which is the greatest expansion of abortion since Roe v. Wade, probably greater than Roe wow. v. Wade. And the pro-life movement yeah. kind of yawned. Um, prominent pro-life lawyers wrote to Bush that this would be fine. The morning after pill is a contraceptive, not an abortifacient, which it's not. It's both. Um, but when I, when I, I forget if it was the first debate or the second, when Bush was asked who his favorite philosopher was, and when he said Jesus Christ with that sly smile, I remember thinking either he is a fool or he is satanic. And what do I mean by this? A lot of Christians were like, that's yeah. great. Jesus, Jesus Christ is God. God cannot be a philosopher. Philosophy is approaching truth through unaided reason. God can be it cannot be a philosopher. God, uh, he, he, Jesus is the logos. Yeah, he's he's the logos, not the philo philosopher. You know, he's yes. not a lover of, of wisdom. He is eternal wisdom. That's right. It, to say that, yeah, it's it's like calling Jesus a prominent religious figure. Or, yes. or more so, it's like calling him a religious seeker. Jesus was a religious seeker. It's well, denying he he's he God. He's deni First That's of all, right. he denied right. that Jesus Christ was God in front of the world. And my question is to you, John, did he know he was doing that? Was he that clever? Or was he just like, oh, they'll like me to say Jesus, these Christians. Or was he like, I will mock oh, Jesus Christ. I will deny his divinity while courting his followers all in the same moment. Yeah. Yeah. So you think he knew it, you're he, right. That that is one of the many staggering moments in George W. Bush's disgraceful political career. I think George W. Bush is the worst American of the twentieth century. Worse than the people who gave the Soviets our nuclear secrets. Say that I can't again. Think of a worse you you broke up. George but I, I W. Broke Bush up because that's supposed to be said twice. George W. Bush was the worst American in a hundred years. Um, we'd have to go back to maybe some of the the people who led the Confederacy and 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 encouraged the secession from the Union to find worse Americans than George W. Bush. He's worse than the committed communists. Who, who stole nuclear secrets and gave them to the Soviets. George W. Bush is a more unpatriotic American even than that, than the Rosenbergs. Wow. Well, if you disagree, you can email me at jason at movie2movement.com and tell me who you think is a even worse American. Yeah, no, look, we have a he, he ran for president saying he was against nation building, and he, you know, um, not, turned his back on on all of the reports that Al-Qaeda was planning to fly planes into buildings.
it happened. Then he got us into a war. Um, not to destroy Al-Qaeda, not to destroy the Taliban, because, of course, we had that opportunity, and they were allowed to escape from Tora Bora. Unbelievable. I mean, if you were to put what just happened in Afghanistan up to that, I mean, these were just two of the biggest blunders in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. Military blunders in the history of the world. If it was a blunder, or, 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 or maybe it was intentional. Because if we killed bin Laden, and we, we killed the Taliban... There'd be no logic to leave our troops there. There'd certainly be no logic to invade Iraq. So I think it was intentional. Okay, John, where do we go from here with this kind of... For, for, it's not a conspiracy theory anymore to say that Saudi Arabia was involved in 9-11. They were. It's not a conspiracy theory to say that our government knew that and covered it up. Now we know um, that George Bush looked us in the eye lied to us to get us to go to a, a regime change war in Iraq that led to genocides of ancient communities that led to my friend Sharon's entire village being slaughtered and Sharon with her friends sent off to ISIS rape camps where she was actually experimented on medically um, while lying to us about Saudi they lied to us about Iraq and what are we going to do as an American people? How do we even respond to this? The news media is dishonest and gaslights us. Uh, we send people to Washington that get there and, and, and all of a sudden switch teams. You know, I understand because I'm Catholic that evil is a deprivation, that ideologies of evil are deprivations. And being such, they collapse under their own weight eventually. Um, but... You know, that there, there's well, hope. There's hope in that. Like yesterday, I don't know if you heard Blinken. Blinken said, you know, well, uh, these weapons can't last forever and they won't know how to repair them. So you basically, his like, don't worry about it. That $80 billion in weapons will eventually rust. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, things break down. Well, sure, were- they have one out of 10 Humvees in the world. But, you know, Humvees get flat tires too and they will not know how to change a flat tire, those guys. <laughs> so don't you worry about it. <laughs> this from a guy who probably that Blinken probably has an illegal immigrant on staff to floss his teeth for him, but he's saying that these that the Afghans who live in the mountains won't know how to fix weapons. You ask me what we can do. One thing we can do is destroy the corrupt elites inside the Republican Party and refuse to back their phony lying candidates. Here in Texas, we can stop George P. Bush from stealing the attorney general's job from a good man, Ken Paxton. George P. Bush complained that he had to run for dog catcher to get his, his current job. His most recent job was land commissioner of Texas. He complained to Vanity Fair, I think, that he was sick of running for dog catcher while running for dog catcher. And now he wants to be attorney general of Texas. He didn't even practice law for 10 years. 10 years, he did not even practice the law. He just dithered around managing his family money. And now he wants to be attorney general of Texas. This is all by way of keeping the Bush dynasty on life support. Jeb Bush is gone. George W. Bush is an embarrassment and disgrace. Of course, he's trying to polish his image by doing books about how great it is to import more immigrant servants. And and by attacking the January 6th protesters, he's basically trying to 
to reestablish himself with the mainstream media and the American political establishment. Look, look, guys, yeah, I had to throw some red meat to the roofs. I had to be pretend to be pro-life. I had to pretend to be patriotic. But, you know, that was just an act. You don't hate the guy who plays Macbeth. It's his job, right? I was playing Forrest Gump. I was playing the evangelical Christian. I'm the one that protected you from the real evangelical. And God forbid, the- you know, had a Democrat in the White House when September 11th happened, you would have never been able to get the conservatives to go along with the regime change war in Iraq. You would have never been able right. to get the conservatives to support nation building in Afghanistan. But you had me there for that. You know, and I, right. had, I had to, you That's know, right. look, and let me tell you about Prescott. I, I was around Prescott in 2004 when I worked for the RNC. He came to do some surrogate events. He was rabidly pro-abortion. We got into a few conversations and they were quite heated. And do I believe for a minute this guy has changed his tune on abortion? No, just like George H.W. Bush changed his tune on abortion, George Bush, Romney. When they're not running for office, they don't do anything. They support lots of causes. They write lots of checks, and they volunteer for lots of organizations. But do you know you never see a Bush support in public? Uh, Any kind of pro-life cause, ever. The Bushes are in Texas. This state is so pro-life. And you know what? The beautiful are, the, what I call the beautiful people, the rich people, the famous people. Uh, you know, right. uh, in Dallas, the, 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 the beautiful people, the rich and famous, the powerful, they're pro-life in Texas. Uh, you don't That's see- right, But not the Bushes. Not the Bushes. The Bushes, Bushes are never to be found. Bush's daughter is a Planned Parenthood activist, volunteers. Publicly. So yeah, when the Bushes are pro-abortion, oh boy, they go whole hog publicly- and their advocacy for abortion. Uh, and their advocacy for abortion goes back to the 30s as a family. And, well, right. Uh, uh, George H.W. Bush's father, Senator Prescott Bush, was treasurer of Planned Parenthood for, for, of Connecticut for 20 years. So there you go. And Bill These Gates' his father ran Planned side. Parenthood Washington. I guess if you want to be rich and famous, I, I guess you just have to sell your soul and work for Planned Parenthood. Well, Jason, so my answer is stop reading magazines like National Review that, that, that called January 6th an insurrection. Stop voting for candidates like the Bush family or Kevin McCarthy. Uh, start re- listening to podcasts like this, reading the stream, read the Epoch Times, listen to, to Steve Bannon's podcast. Basically, the, you can use as a litmus test. This is a good litmus test, actually, not even about Trump. Okay, Trump's an imperfect vessel. Anyone who, who treats January 6th as anything other than a legitimate political protest that was infiltrated by the FBI and assaulted by the Capitol Police, anyone who, who, who shrieks and, and whines about January 6th, he's the enemy. He's on the other side. He might as well be a member of Antifa. That's the Zmirak litmus test. January 6th is the litmus test. And that's when I canceled my subscription to National Review, and I canceled my Fox News. I stopped watching Fox News. I, anybody who goes with the leftist myth that what happened on January 6th was some threat to the republic, that person is your enemy. I mean, There's the FBI has come out and said that whole narrative is a joke. And yet right. Republican politicians are continuing um, – to, you know, to, to smear good Americans that were there, like me, by the way, 
like me, I was there, trying to smear us. And do you think right. though there are folks that just they're you know they're low information voter types and they've only seen a few clips on? I mean, some of those clips you see on CNN are quite frightening when you see the FBI provocateurs or whoever those guys are, handful of guys that are going nuts on the mall side of the Capitol on the left. Even there were a handful of, of absolute lunatics. Um, well, again, I'm not talking about ordinary people, Jason. I'm talking about congressmen, uh, 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 columnists. So not our neighbor. Like people if our neighbor's who, like, oh, you were there, and they're, you know, they get a little – no. What you're saying is columnists, newscasters. Yeah, okay. That's fair. People with a responsibility not to be low information, like columnists at National Review, have no excuse for for buying into the leftist narrative that this was an attempted coup. The, the only unarmed attempted coup in the history of the world. We showed up with no weapons. We, we thought if we took enough selfies at the Capitol, they would have to change the results of the election. Come on. You know, there's a poor kid there. I don't, I don't know what happened to him. I reached out to his lawyer to say, I'm here. If you need me, he's uh, really kind of a hipster looking kid. He's got a wife. He's a white guy. She's black. She is beautiful. He is handsome. They're striking. He's a podcast producer and writer. Um, and he is, he is, I think, a member of the Proud Boys, which, you know, I think is just a kooky reactionary organization. I, but I was a kook. I was a Randian as a 23-year-old, right? So we as conservatives have to be very careful that um, we don't let young people who are coming from the left or coming from public schools and, and mass media formation then react. We don't want them to be stuck as reactionary. We want them to become conservative, right? But I, I, when I first was woke up to the left as a college student, I became a Randian. I think if I woke up today, I'd have been a proud boy. This, so this, but he's a very kind, decent young man. He pinged me, said, hey, are you in town? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, I'm covering this. And uh, when it's over, do you want to meet? I said, yeah, I really want Thai soup. I really, because it was cold. I want some Tom Kagai. Next thing I know, this kid is being raided by the FBI in his house, um, and it, he was there as a journalist covering the event. So, uh, wow. you're right. You're, is he in the DC Gulag now? I think no. I, I think they got him out of the D, the DC Gulag, and um, I'm hoping and I'm sure everything against him unraveled because he was a journalist. And um, but yeah, when you see people like that, I'm surprised you just canceled your subscription to national review because national review tried to cancel us in 2003 so there's that right and <laughs> so for you to it's been what 17 years since they canceled john's well, no i i actually i actually signed i signed up for a digital subscription in 2019 because i like kyle smith's movie reviews and i thought it's you know it's america needs a centrist magazine it's a shame that it has to be national review but um, they had some good writers there, and I wanted to see what the other faction on the right was saying about the MAGA movement. And so I was following it. But after January 6th, when they, when they totally bought hook, line, and sinker, the leftist deep state propaganda about January 6th and about Donald Trump, I realized these people are my enemies. They're the enemies within. Well, when you oppose the invasion of Iraq— National Review played a big part in probably putting some hiccups in your career. I mean, they came out oh, yeah. and said that any— Unpatriotic conservatives. Unpatriotic conservatives. If you don't favor the Iraq war, you're not a real American. 
I think that you are a real American if you oppose any and all wars. They could meet every point of just war criteria. But if you oppose that war when the rest of the country supports it already alone, I think you're a great American. Even if I were to disagree with you on that particular war, because it, as you and I have found out, it takes a lot of courage when they whip a country up into an enthusiasm to go to war to say, uh, no, not, no, it takes a lot of courage, whether you're coming from the left or the right. And National Review right. played the role of bully to those of us who said, as I specifically said, and you said, this will lead to genocides of vulnerable minority communities, yep. nitwits. But those geniuses now are calling us, I guess, foul odors. What are we, foul spirit? Foul spirits. Oh, yeah. Children of the same foul. The, the phrase Bush used for the January 6th protesters was that they were children of the same foul spirit as the terrorists who masterminded 9-11. Wow. Talk about children of a foul spirit, the Bush family, from beginning to end. But I'll say this. George H.W. Bush, for all his terrible ideas, was a war hero and a statesman compared to his son. The difference between the two George Bushes, it's it's like the difference between Irving Crystal and William Crystal, or it's even more. It's like the difference between Theodore Roosevelt and Eleanor Roosevelt. You know, as you were saying this, I was thinking about the difference between me and my grandfather, and I pale in comparison to that man. I think I think it's really sad, isn't it, that. We as a people, who we imagine we are is who our grandparents were. Hmm. And we are not that. Well, I think my grandfather was a criminal who fled, fled the police in Austria-Hungary and came to America. So um, I think not some of us. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't leave that hanging. Wait, what, what makes you – you can't just assume – you can't just assume that. No, no. The family story is that he – hit his brother in the head with an iron with it like the iron from a for like a poker from the fireplace okay and then fled the police fled the police jumped on an american ship and came to the u.s that is that is the story i've heard from within my family of how my grandfather got here so we're not all degenerate scions of once great noble houses <laughs> well you know let me tell you my grandfather he child of the depression enlisted in the army immediately after um Pearl Harbor, fought in World War II as an infantryman, fought in the Korean War, and then went to Ford and lied and said he was a tool and die maker. I don't even know what a tool and die maker is, and taught himself that on the job. I couldn't build a birdhouse if you gave me uh, access to all of Home Depot in, in, in three years. Um, so, you know, <laughs> we've sometimes the Apple, I, I, I empathize with Hunter Biden and George W. Bush, some of us do fall from... Now, I could pick other grandparents, I guess, and compare favorably to them uh, as well. But, uh, all right, well, thank you, all right, John. I, I feel a great sense of catharsis now. <laughs> yeah, this is just another in our long line of, uh, of shows trying to cancel ourselves. We've alienated Catholics, now we're alienating establishment Republicans. Oh, Pretty soon, pretty soon, we're all just going to have to work for the men for the Mennonites. Hey, you know what? My wife is always like, "When are we going to become Amish?" I think the federal government's deciding on that for us, and I think it's sooner than we had <laughs> hoped. 
It's like so- <laughs> I'll see you inside the gulag, Jason. All right, thanks, John. I think thanks, John Smirak. All right, those are some questions from W. You know, for W, as he, as John was talking about, um, you know, comparing W to H George H W, and I was thinking about Hunter. Then I was thinking about I am just a pale imitation of um, my grandfather, my grandfather, my grandpa Jones, who was such a good man. And I think this is the lesson: our elite are vapid and gone. They're just they're, we don't have an elite. There's, we cannot, as Americans, think that there's some stewardship class out there uh, taking care of us. John, you can jump off, up, or you can stay on. I can put it on mute. I okay. Hear, All I right. Hear all right, thank you. Um, sorry about that. I could hear him ruffling around. There's no stewardship class. And so it, it really is just us, working class, middle class Americans, that are going to have to take the reins of this great nation and save it. And really who we are going to have to save it from are the Romneys, the Bidens, and the Bushes. Because it is the Romneys, the Bidens, the Bush family that are driving our, they've driven Afghanistan off a cliff, shattered Iraq, shattered Yemen, shattered Libya. Um, All the meanwhile were, at least I am, you know, binging Karate Kid on YouTube, Cobra Kai series on YouTube. So we just, what I get from this is we have to take responsibility for our Great Republic. All right, this was a little break from Afghanistan. Uh, uh, The Vulnerable People Project, the sponsor of this organization. Go to our website, thegreatcampaign.org, and become a monthly supporter. We have been all in. And my days, from the moment my eyes open till till I close my eyes, and we have staffed up. We even actually have an office now, the Vulnerable People Project, today, opened up an office in Afghanistan, of all things. Um, We didn't put out a sign. We're not in the yellow pages, but the Vulnerable People Project is now in Afghanistan, and um, we've hired a great team in Washington, D.C., and we are working to serve those folks that were not able to be evacuated. And our commitment is that everyone that we have been engaged with since late July, early August, everyone we've been engaged with, uh, we will and are committed to their safety uh, until they're evacuated. And uh, so we've been staffing up. That's what we've been doing. I'm going to do a whole show on Blinken and on these hearings, which are a, a disgrace. They're a joke. I was on EWTN nightly, News Nightly uh, last night talking about it. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. You can check that out. I just read John's article, and I said, I need a break from – Afghanistan. I need a break from this. I just want to talk to my good buddy, John. And I knew you'd want to hear from him too. Follow John Zmirak at the stream. It is the best place to go uh, to follow. All of my favorite thought leaders are there. Go to the stream. This episode is also being brought to you by MyPillow. Uh, Using the code, go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square. Use the code Jones for deep discounts on all of their products. And, um, you know, now is the time to get. Uh, who was that character in Charlie Brown? Linus. He had the the comfort of the blanket he would carry. You know, just uh, for his support. What do they call those those anxiety those dogs to help you with your anxiety? Linus carried around the. I think I need one of those. I'm just going to get a My Pillow Giza Dream sheets, and I'm just going to 
as I go to the grocery store, because of the immense stress of this Afghanistan initiative, I'm just going to walk around uh, clutching and hugging uh, my Giza Dream sheets, not just in the house, but as I walk around town. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio uh, listener square, click on, um, use the code Jones, get deep discounts, and you too can walk around with your security blanket. Duh security blanket and i'm just you can use your my pillow giza dream sheets as a security blanket in these crazy times until next time the jason jones show this has been the jason jones show powered by mudhouse media Ooh.